I'm Julie Lamb, a therapist turned life and business coach. In all my years as a therapist and coach, I have seen that true healing and growth comes from understanding your greatest asset, your brain. To manage your life and business, you first have to manage your mind. I'm here to help you figure out what the hell is my brain doing? Hello, my friends, and welcome back to What the Hell is My Brain Doing? I wanted to be a little bit more vulnerable in this podcast, and the next couple of podcasts kind of feed into each other a little bit, and they go back to a little bit more about like why we do the things we do, where does that sometimes come from? And a couple of weeks ago, when we talked about imposter syndrome, we talked about how that is when we minimize our accomplishments and we maximize all of those doubts. And a lot of times this feeds into our fear of judgment, especially how we perceive others as viewing us. And so I wanted to share a couple of examples that I've experienced in both my personal life and my professional life. And I, as I do this, I'd like you to kind of think about times that you have maybe experienced something similar and some of your reactions um, and then kind of what that has done. And I'd like us to, like, as you go through that, I'd like you to think about maybe what you would have done differently or even what that really meant about you. So as I've mentioned, you know, before, one of the things that really has kind of stuck out to me is this idea of how we perceive ourselves, but also how we portray ourselves. And when I was first started working as a therapist, I was not married and I was doing marriage counseling and I was working with um, new families and I was talking about how they were bonding with their children and, you know, parenting and things to that effect. And I remember at the time feeling uh, somewhat confident in what I was doing because, well, the books told me this. And I remember having a conversation with someone when she was like, well, you're not married. You don't really truly understand this. And and it reminded me back to a time when I was working with some veterans that were homeless, that were really struggling with a lot of different aspects of their life. And one of them we were dealing with was substance abuse. And I got the same question. Well, you don't really drink. So how would you know what this is like? And my boss at the time had told me, he's like, simple. You know what it's like to live sober. You know how to enjoy life this way. And at the time, you know, I remember hearing this woman saying, well, you aren't married. So how could you give me marriage advice? And I'm like, well, I know, I know emotions. I know how to talk about this and what that looks like. Now I will be the first to admit that if I could go back to younger me, I'd probably slap me upside the head and say, you know, there are some experiences that until you experience it, you just don't understand. And this is something that I, I can acknowledge that I've experienced in many different ways, but I have one specific experience that I want to share. And that is that when my oldest was born, we were on the airplane, my husband and I, and we were flying somewhere and she was, I think she was under one. So she was asleep in my arms. She was a really good baby, really good traveler. And I remember her just sleeping. And then there was a woman behind us that had a child that was um, a little bit older. And this child was not sleeping and screaming. And you could tell a little bit anxious about this whole flight or whatever. And my heart went out to this woman because, I mean, I do have a sleeping baby, but I can't imagine. Like, I, I know that my anxiety was rising because my thoughts were like, oh, my gosh, what would I do in these situations? What would happen or whatever? I remember looking at my husband and being like, you know, wow. And she actually, this woman then leaned over to me and she's like, you just wait till your oldest is, you know, until that baby is then like this. And I remember almost taken aback by it. And I was taken aback because I wasn't even thinking like, oh my gosh, why doesn't this woman control her child? I was just thinking this has to be really difficult and really challenging. And I'm very grateful that mine obviously is sleeping right now because I'm not sure how I would deal with this situation. And I want to share that because a lot of times in life, when we have this fear of judgment that's going on, 
we're often projecting that onto someone else. And this is kind of the best example I can give of that, where in this moment, this mom was very frazzled. There, There's no doubt about it. I have been in those situations later where my children have been the holy terrors on the, on the plane or, you know, whatever may be going on. And I know that in that moment, while I had never experienced it, my heart did go out for her because I thought this is a difficult situation. But I want to go back to her reaction. Again, I have no idea what was really going through her mind. I do know that this was, again, a very stressful situation. She was doing, honestly, the best that she could. There is no, you know, she should have tired, tired her. No, no, no. I, please hear me. She was honestly doing the best that she could. This child really was struggling. And my heart simply, like I said, was this is very difficult for her. And I, I didn't know how to help her. I didn't know what to do in this situation. And I, again, my brain was going, what would I do if my children are acting this way? What, what would I do? How would I react? And I think I want to go back again. Sometimes that fear of judgment, like I said, we project it onto somebody else. But a lot of times we do things to overcompensate for it. And I've noticed in my own parenting that many times when my children might be throwing a temper tantrum or might be acting out or doing something that a lot of times there's me feeling really, really bad about it, feeling very much like this is a problem I need to solve. I need to fix. I need to get under control. And we feel this fear of judgment because we're thinking, what are they out there thinking about me? Like my child is throwing a temper tantrum at soccer. What are the other parents thinking about this? My children are picking up and eating things off the floor. What what are those other people thinking about that? And that just creates more and more of these feelings within ourselves where we are worried and where we are fearful of basically how somebody else is then judging us for what we are or are not doing. Another example of that, I saw this a lot, was when somebody actually did. I was in a meeting one day and I was coming out and there was this woman that I don't believe she knew I was there, but she was talking very disparagingly about me. And she was saying some really hurtful, ugly things. And, you know, maybe even I think about my children perhaps, but she was saying some things about me and I turned the corner and I remember making eye contact with her. And at that moment, I know I had a couple of reactions that could have happened and we could call them justified, whatever we want. I do know in that moment very well, I could have been like said something snarky and mean, which sometimes can be my personality. But instead, I remember just looking at her deep in the eyes and just nodding and then walking off because that showed me one, her true colors. One is that I can trust her with anything personal that I was going through. And two, I also knew then how she felt about me. And so this was somebody that I did not need to become friends with. I didn't need to do anything extra with. And I remember I just kind of let that go. I already heard her judgment, already heard how she had hurt me and already, and somebody came up to me later and they were like, oh my gosh, I'm like really sorry about this. And I know she didn't mean, you know, whatever. And they tried to justify it. And I remember in that moment being like, you know what? She's really actually in, like, she's important to me and she can say those things and feel those things and it all hurt, but that's, that's her, that's on her. That's not me. And yes, it did hurt. And it isn't like I can say that and be like, oh, now everything is fine. But I want to talk about those different things about how sometimes we are projecting what we might be feeling onto somebody else, but then sometimes we may actually be judged and hurt by those around us with whatever our actions or reactions could have been. And so because of those experiences, oftentimes what happens is that we then have a natural fear based in our brain 
this fear of what is somebody going to say and do in this certain situation. And I want you to remember, if we go back to our brain, remember how our brain is all about being social. We want to be included. Human beings' natural reaction is to belong. And so as soon as you feel like you don't belong, you don't fit in, you're not accepted, your brain is feeling like this is a danger, a danger situation. And then that fear is triggered. And when that fear then is triggered, you are then, what do I need to do to make this better? How do I react a certain way? How do I act a certain way? What do I do in those situations? So these were some personal experiences I had. And I want to talk about professionally, like how that can also show up is a lot of times what happens is that you might be getting ready to do a presentation. You might be getting ready to even talk to somebody new. Like I said, I was doing marriage counseling, doing something, and then suddenly feeling like, what if I do it wrong? What if I'm not good enough at this? And this is deeper than just that imposter syndrome, because a lot of times we may get, for instance, hired for a specific role or specific duty and then feel like I, I'm not really actually qualified to do these things. And I don't know if I can even do it. And it's that fear of judgment. It's even more than what if they find out I'm a fraud? It's more like, what if they find me lacking? What if they find that I don't actually fit in? What if they find that I'm not acceptable? And that fear is what stops us in many ways. I want to just give one caveat with that. Social anxiety, obviously it is anxiety and fear, but it is a little bit deeper than that. It is when you imagine getting up in front of people and talking, it is honestly in that moment, you are really afraid of not only that rejection, but of like doing something so bad and so horrible that it actually stops you and debilitates you in that moment. Now, if you are experiencing that, like you can't get up and give a speech, you can't go and do things that does require more of a counseling aspect. And that is social anxiety is real. I don't want to downplay it at all, but there are different things, different things that you will do with that. And so I just want to be clear, if you're having struggles speaking in front of people because of this abject fear of I'm actually going to get hurt or something is really going to happen to me in this instance, that is something that I would encourage you to see a therapist for. But what I'm talking about is when you get up to go talk to somebody and you just feel like your heart is racing, maybe your mouth is a little dry, you have to take those deep breaths but you can still get through it. Like you feel like that sense of danger has been minimized because I will admit that I will get up in front of speaking engagements and I have a little thing I have to go through every time where it is basically to get out of my own head and I have to mentally prepare myself and mentally be like, this is okay. I like to joke that sometimes that's the introvert in me. I very much like my alone time. I very much like to be kind of just independent. And so because of that, Sometimes getting out in front of those crowds and being around people, I have to almost deep breath, put that out there that this is okay. Because I want you to understand that for many of us, when we are there in front of somebody, what happens is our brain is like, do I look okay? Do I, what if I say the wrong thing? What if I trip over my words? What if all of these bad things happen? How will I react? Or what if they laugh at me, but I didn't tell a joke? Like, what am I supposed to do here? And that's where that fear of judgment comes from. It is more like I'm going to mess up somehow. They're going to laugh and reject me. So I'm just not going to do anything. Again, this is all because we are seeking that approval from others. Now, I've mentioned like some of these experiences that can happen. So again, I want to go back to the brain and the brain is telling us that I need to fit in and belong. And this starts as early as childhood and growing up. And anytime as children that we have been rejected, like the last one picked on a team or not even picked on a team, that codes into our brain that we are not acceptable, that we are a reject somehow. I have always disliked the 
the groupings that we tend to put people in, you know, it may be like the cowboys, the athletes, the nerds, whatever the labels may be, because what happens with those labels is that then people feel that they are judged for it. I will admit, I'm also one of those therapists that I struggle with the diagnoses. I can diagnose anybody, but sometimes I really struggle giving you that diagnosis because there is a judgment that comes from it, whether it be ADHD, anxiety, even depression is a real big one. But then if I start throwing out terms like narcissist or borderline, then people start to really have thoughts and feelings about it, sometimes even other therapists. And so because of that, I really struggle with that label because those labels become a way that we either judge ourselves or we judge others. And I think that that is sometimes where that fear of judgment comes is because how am I labeling somebody, a difficult child, a narcissist, or whatever that may look like, when I start labeling that, what happens is that we have set up a paradigm of how we are then allowed to view the world. So I want to go and say, we we know these fears of judgment occur like as a child, whether rejected as adolescents, especially as we're going through puberty or changes of any sort, if we don't feel like we belong in, you know, who we are and any changes of any aspect, suddenly we, we doubt like what that may look like. I think a lot of people can relate to this as you're just kind of experiencing who you are, who you want to be. And I know that as I was in high school, I was definitely the, the quieter person. I was involved in a lot of things, but I just felt like I was, it was just, you know, it was who I was. But then when I went off to college, I wanted to kind of reinvent myself. That's kind of a common thing we hear. I want to reinvent. It's nobody knows me. I want to be who I want to be. And when we're doing that, we're also afraid that somebody's going to reject that new us. And so then that creates its own thoughts there. Going into adulthood as well, where you feel like you might be rejected at work, you might not get the job or you might get the job and then struggle with it or whatever that may look like. And so a lot of times, like I said, you're still seeking that approval from others. Do my parents accept me? Do my friends and family, does my coworkers and all of that thing? When I started my business, I do know that I had a lot of this, like, who am I? You know, not, not even just that imposter syndrome, but like, yes, I'm a therapist and I know these things, but I was also a stay-at-home mom for a little while. So why would somebody listen to me? And it wasn't until I just started working and just said, I know what I know and I'm doing what I'm doing and leaned into that, that I found my footing. I found where I belonged. I found things. I was doing more of my speaking engagements. I was doing small groups. I was doing, you know, private coaching, like all of those things. And I was finding where I thrived, where I fit in, where I belonged. So this isn't to say that every time I go do a speaking gig, I don't have to still talk myself into this is good. This is fine. It's also sometimes I'll have a new client that comes through and I have to say, okay, again, I know what I'm doing and things like that because there's sometimes this fear of what will they think about me? And I know, again, going back to this woman on the plane, you know, it's nothing about what she is or isn't doing. Sometimes it's our own thoughts, our own perceptions about what's happening. So now what do we do with all that, right? We all want to feel accepted. We all want to feel like we belong. And we all want to feel like we have friends, family that love and care for us. There will always come a time that we won't. And I heard this statistic, and I think it's a very fascinating one, that we will be encountered around 10,000 people in our lifetime. And of those 10,000 people, about 50 will actually judge us and hurt us in some way. And of those 50, about seven will cause real trauma. So I want you to think seven out of 10,000, I believe the percentage is like 0.007%. Like it's such a small, minuscule amount. But how often do we allow that thought that that could happen? Happen. This less than a percentage point of people that we ever encounter actually are judging us. And then we let that stop our actions, stop what we do, and really, truly stop us from moving forward in the way that we want to. So I want to give you some practical tips. 
I want you to say, okay, this might happen. And maybe you've already experienced those people in your life, those seven people. Maybe you haven't, maybe you only have one or two, whatever it is. I want you just to put those aside for a minute. And the number one thing I want you to start thinking about is how do I talk about myself? What are the things I'm saying about myself? Like, how am I judging myself? Because if you're afraid of being judged, oftentimes, like I said, you are judging yourself and then projecting it out into the world. So another example of this is, again, I've told people I'm six feet tall. I'm a very tall woman. (laughs) When I enter a room, you cannot miss me. And because of that, sometimes I'm afraid of what somebody might be saying. Oh my gosh, look at that, Julie. Like, she's so big. She's whatever. And what I've noticed is that anytime I have those thoughts about myself, I then downplay me. And it's almost like I try to hide and I try to shrink into myself. But the more that I can flip this around to be like, yeah, I'm six feet tall and this is beautiful. I have tall girl energy. I am very confident and I wear my heels with pride and whatever it may be. When I start to notice how I talk about myself, then that then takes all the judgment away. Yes, I'm six feet tall. And yes, there are people shorter than me. There are people taller than me. There are people that will fit with any of those categories. But that doesn't mean that they will accept me or reject me based upon that. It's how do I think about that? How do I feel about it? Because the other thing I want you to remember, we judge ourselves harder than everybody else. I want you to think about that mom and how she put that out there, you know, wait until your child gets older, because I don't know, again, what was going through her mind. I can only imagine what would be going, what has gone through my mind. And that is that, oh, I hope everybody's like not mad at me. I'm really trying. I know that this feels like I'm a terrible mother, like, and all of those thoughts, we are judging ourselves harder. Whereas, you know, in my spot, this place, I was just thinking, I know this is really difficult. I don't know how I would handle this. She's doing her best. She's doing, you know, what she can, but I want you to think about that. What language am I using about myself? And then remember, we're going to be our own worst critics. We are the hardest on ourselves as opposed to anybody else. One of the other things I want you to really think about is who are these people that I'm seeking their approval? Like, who do they really, like, what do they really matter? So I want you to think about this woman in the hallway that was saying these really awful things about me. And before everybody goes, no, that's not true. Julie's amazing, you know, which is all true. But um, before that, I just want you to think this woman wasn't somebody that had a lot of impact in my life. She wasn't somebody that I keep in contact with, know anything about. Like, I have nothing to do with her. We don't cross paths. She is not somebody that I honestly need to care about. I want you to think about some of these people that have said these things, like who are they to you? Are they people that you actually need to have in your life? I've heard it said in business that the only one that matters is the one that like where your money comes from and those that you are intimate with. And I think that's actually it, like the the finances and then intimacy, like those are the only ones that really matter. And then your relationship with yourself. And I think that that's kind of where I had to look at this person to be like, she doesn't provide any financial, like she's nothing to that effect. It's not somebody that I'm intimate with in any way, either emotionally, physically, anything like that. And honestly, she isn't my own voice in my head. So therefore, this is not somebody that I need to listen to their opinions that they're feeling. So I hope that this woman learned that perhaps you don't speak ill about people that may be around the corner. But even if she didn't, um, even if she continues to be the mean girl, you know what? She can be the mean girl, but that's not me. And I'm okay with that not being me. I don't go around talking smack, shall we say, about people behind their back because it hurts. That's awful. That's not something we want to do. So again, who are these people? The other thing that I want you to think about is who's your support system? So when you look around the people that really, truly support you, do they know who you are? Do they love you no matter what? And I think about, you know, my husband is my best friend and he knows me. And are there times that I think he doesn't know me? 
Sure. But I think that's with everybody. And I think what happens then is that I do seek his approval in many things, but at the same time, I know that he's honest with that approval. If at any time that changed, then of course, my whole support system may look completely different. So I encourage everybody to look at who's your support system. Who's your biggest cheerleaders? Who's the one that says you can do it? And so, yes, my husband is mine, but maybe it's also close friends. I know one of the things that I have loved about being in my coaching industry has been some of the friends that I have met, whether it's through some clients that have really, truly meant things in my life or whether it has been other people that I've come in contact with. Those are my support systems. They're all in similar places. They are places where I want to be as well. So who's your support system? Because they're your cheerleaders. They're your loudest. They will drown out any and all critics. The last thing I want to say, I want you to go look at yourself in the mirror. I want you to go stand up straight and tall. I want you to look at that person and say, you know what? I'm amazing. The more confident you are in who you are right in that moment, if you are confident and you're happy with that, then it doesn't matter what anybody else will say or do. So my friends, I challenge you to really take this a little bit deeper. And I'm going to give you a couple of things to think about when it comes to fear of judgment. One of them I do quite often when it comes to anxiety, but this is something that's I think really important here. What if what you fear that they'll say or do actually happens? What would you do? So again, this woman said these horrible, awful things about me. What did I do? Just turned and went the other way. My children are acting out and crazy. What would I do? Cry on the floor, you know, whatever it may be. Go ahead and think if the worst case happened, this worst fear that I have really happened, what would I do? And then what are the things that you would do right now if you didn't have any of that fear with you? What would you do? And I want you to take that if you had zero fear of judgment and do it, do that one thing. So for me, one of the things is I started my podcast and I said, you know what? I have knowledge and information I want to get out there and people may not like it and people may think I'm wrong or crazy or not smart enough or whatever, but I'm going to do it anyway because I believe in what I'm doing, what I'm offering. So look at those fear of judgments. Be willing to say if they were wrong, even what would I do? Or even if they happen, what would I do? And then go ahead and make your list of all the things that you're afraid to do based upon that. and Do it anyway. My friends, I hope this was helpful. Next week, we're going to talk about being that authentic self, like truly, honestly finding who we are in that inner voice. And I'm excited for that. So until next time, this is Julie Lamb with What the Hell is My Brain Doing? If you love today's show, I would love for you to take a minute and give a five-star rating and a review. Subscribe and share with those that you know would love to learn more about managing their brains. If you're ready to join me, I want to invite you to coach with me where we uncover more about your brain so that you can have the life and business you dream about. Manage your brain is more than just a thought. It is a possibility. Go to www.julielamcoaching.com to learn more. This is how we do it. See you soon. Have a great day.